Hi, you're listening to Art Grind Podcast, coming to you from a very regular-looking Airbnb room <laughs> that doesn't look anything like the pictures on the website, which is also on the Manhattan Subway <laughs> East Side. I am your host, Tun Yang. I'm Kim Power. I'm Marshall Jones. And tonight we're talking to the lovely Dina Brodsky. And because of misguided New Year's resolution, we're doing this stone cold sober. So apologies. <laughs> I'm going to step back for just a second, or not step back, but step in and say welcome to our great podcast. Welcome, Dina Brodsky. It's an honor to be here, guys. Thank you for inviting me. We're thrilled to have you, and it's um, it's interesting because we all know each other and know you in in uh, in the art world for for a while. Me less time than than these two guys, um, and I'm kind of interested in finding out about um, about that relationship, like how you guys have all known each other, and like ton. You were, you guys knew each other at school, right? Yep, um, studio I've, mates. I've known Ton, I've known Ton for forever. forever. Uh, Marshall, Marshall less forever, but by, I guess like, and less well, but by now it's also been a few years. So. We, we met at... We met at Egal's. We met at Egal's and we connected because we were both avid readers. I remember the first time you were the, the only other person that I knew who'd read all like the... All, all those sort of like Franz and and uh, you're basically the Dave only Foster person Wallace I can talk about about stuff. Infinite Jest with, which <laughs> which, like, which me. <laughs> I know, one, yeah, one I, I don't know anyone else who's gotten through that book. <laughs> <laughs> I know like two people, but one of them was my mom, and I made her do it. <laughs> so I'm not really sure if that counts. <laughs> hey, uh, okay, how about this? You're the only person who's not immediately related to me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> either exactly. by blood or marriage, that, that, that has read that book. Well, and I think we met. I could even pinpoint the time because it was right when freedom was coming out and you could talk in relation to his other books and how this one stacked up and that was really fun for me i was like oh look at this dina's cool um yeah yeah and then then i figured out you read infinite chest and i was like we're we're gonna get along like you have no choice you have to get along and that started a lot of scheming um it did and me and ton i i actually remember meeting ton so First day at the academy on yep. on the steps, and I think can't remember if you were smoking and uh, smoking. Been, yeah, you were smoking. And you might have had a do rag. Oh, really? Yeah, it's I, a good look. <laughs> smoking at a do rag. I, I, I was still in my sort of like hip hop thug, you know. Thing. <laughs> did like you I, wear it with like Tupac tied in the front? I, I don't know about the do rag, <laughs> no, but I, I think no I did Tupac. have um like a military jacket or something. Uh, you 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 had hey you don't were, knock were, a military were, jacket. Yeah. Like your style was definitely like like kind of on the sug. Yeah, it's you definitely know. More thug. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, um, and then we ended up basically stuck to each other um, yep. by, by by for by by fate uh, or, or by the way that the academy <laughs> had like arranged me, things. You and Caitlin on that uh, one floor. Um, and, and basically like and the second year twenty case. square feet. Then yeah. yeah. So I think we had the most amount of uh, women on our floor. So all the second year, so basically all the guys just kept coming, talking. Oh, they kept <laughs> coming to your floor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, well, you were supposed to, you know, protect our, our dignity or honor or whatever, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, and then we ended up... No, I think all, all I did was I just put my headphones on. And pretended you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> so Caitlin was on that floor too? Yeah, she was just right next to us. So little, little known fact, Tun was actually my only friend in grad school. Like, and, and it was only because um, be, be, because we were sharing, like, you know, our second year we ended up sharing a studio too. And yeah. it was like, like every time I would stretch, I would like hit him over the head with my paintbrush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was proximity that did it. Yeah. Did you guys have like a hallway it's between It's a proximity though? friendship. Um, you mean our, our, um, like... Because now all those studios are like, there's like put, little rivers now in they, between no, Now they put aisles. one person where previously two people used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, like, those are good-sized studios for one person, except we didn't have... So one. you and Tom would have been in one of those have. sort of smallish yes. little, yes. wow, um, one-person studios, wow. Yep. Do you so feel like... we managed. Is you, that why you paint small? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Both of you? That's <laughs> funny, because uh, the first year, I think we, we somehow managed within that space, but then the second year was the hardest part. That's when I actually ran away to a basement in New Jersey. Uh, the second right? year was actually when... So I, I was living in... <laughs> actually a closet in Crown Heights like it had no window and um <laughs> that, like like it was it was a closet like I could touch both sides of the way you know I, I, was, I was oh my god I was paying four hundred dollars four hundred dollars a month cool. it was before <laughs> Crown Heights was wait four hundred dollars a month yep the, holy shit for a closet I remember that I remember when people could get a room for like 500 bucks uh yeah and this was is... not really a room it really was like the Closet. Like, um, closet, like like I had like a fan on blowing out because that was the only way to get like like you know create circulation. So in any case, it didn't really have much room because it was a closet. So I kept all of my stuff, like all my socks and clothing or whatever. I kept it all in the studio. In the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the edge, ton out. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's I the only thing. Just, it, yeah, it's the uh, only thing I had. Oh, and my, that's when you ended you up got, in, in the you basement. Got replaced by socks. No, it was, it was more than that. Actually, it was also the only. No, he got replaced by taxidermy. Yeah. It was the only mm-hmm. big painting I'd ever done. I had decided that I was, you know, was was that year of you know sharing a studio with Ton and all my socks. Yeah. Uh, so I still life taxidermy just took over yeah, the whole and I started, window. They just. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I basically was painting the whole thing from life, and I kept dragging in, like, I dragged in some sort of, like, decrepit old mailbox, and, like, every skull that I could get my hands on, I raided oh a God. basement in Western yeah. Massachusetts and got all these, like, badly taxidermized birds with, like, stuffing coming out, and, you know. <laughs> and also, sometimes she would just bring, you know, these guys would come off from the streets, from professors to bums, and just, you know, yeah. always a surprise. What, you could, like, bring in your own models then? They weren't models. No. Oh, okay. Just, just making friends? Yeah, just, just, just 22 oh, making just, friends. Yeah. <laughs> this is like this vortex of, you know. You do have a way of, like, in, create, inviting interesting people I mean, into I mean, your life. People, some of them were legitimately interesting. Some of yeah. them were, were vaguely sociopathic, and like, oh, I'm really happy I never never saw them again. Um, but I, honestly, I think I was a little bit lonely. I didn't have any friends at school except you. Because well, um, you had uh, to turn out. <laughs> um, he was still the closest thing I had there to a friend. <laughs> even even if he if he if he was we, working in a basement. In Jersey. <laughs> Is that also, you were... at that time, you know, I didn't, I haven't read any of the books she's read, so we couldn't really. I don't know how we got along. All those um, we, but, but, but we did, and you it, both are easy to get along with. 
I don't know. You know, but we were both different. I, I was like we a lot less tolerant. Like, yep. like I was like kind of a prat, and um, Tan was kind of like a thug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I really don't know how we got on. But, but, but no. I do remember that at, you know, like, like, at, like, like before, like, like you wrote me after I after we graduated, and you oh, were like, "What right. books should I read?" Yeah. And I, I gave you this whole list of like my favorite books. It's and, a great master list. And, oh, and great! You, I yeah, want that yeah, master and, list. And you actually read it. Like, yep. like you went through. You the went entire, through it. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 It was like all of my favorite stuff, and he just just like swallowed it up. <laughs> yeah, and we actually started writing to each other. Yeah, about um, books. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, like writing we, we email? No, no, no. Pal. It was actually uh, it was like pen pal style write, when you were traveling. We would, we would write snail mail. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'd do these bike rides. I'd write tons snail mail. <laughs> Yeah, did you do those bike rides like right after school, or was that something before uh, school? No, so I, I did one before grad school, and then, okay. then I would do them pretty much every summer for a few years while we worked at Eagles. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing because where you've been to, where have you been? Where have you biked? Where have you? I mean, nowhere like that extreme. Like really hardcore bicyclists wouldn't be wouldn't be very impressed. Uh, like like I would pick country. I, I would pick somewhere that was like safe for me to just like camp by myself for a month in and like that was how I would pick it I like I'd pick it based on like easy terrain and you know the but I'm but in Europe right yeah, yeah it was Europe you uh, were telling me about uh, was it was it Reykjavik or it, I, I, it was, I did I did, I did yeah Iceland and was then like you a looked little, like a beastie because of the wind I, and the, yeah 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 that, that, that sounds was pretty not, harsh that was not easy and that that was like Probably, like, had I known how hard it was going to be, I would have not, not not done it. But so, so I read somewhere that Iceland only had one road. Oh. And, um, and at that point of life, it, and I had just broken up with this guy, and, yeah, like, I just, I wanted, like, some, some straightforward plan, and it felt like it would be a very good idea to just bicycle straight for a month. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and you couldn't get lost because there's only one road, and like if you went in one direction, eventually you went all the way around Iceland and you came back. <laughs> so, oh, how many wow. miles a day are you doing on this? Not that ma- it, it, not that many, <laughs> you know. The, um, but like, what's not like fifteen? No, 10? no, like no, thirty-five. Probably, probably more like fifty. Fifty. Uh, that sounds like a lot. It's not like 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 the the that's, really hardcore. That's several people. hours, right? How long uh, is that? It'd be, for me, it was all day. All day. Okay. <laughs> Except for like I would take a few hours to draw somewhere, but but really it'd be all day. See, fifty miles seems like a lot. To me, I've it, never done a long bike ride. It, Fifty miles is like half of what the really hard, like the, 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 the people who are hardcore were doing the hard hundred well, miles. I was a day. expecting you'd be Lance Armstrong, but just taking to a bike feels like you know, fifty miles is pretty respectable. Um, I, 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 when the, honestly, I, I would, I do, I did fifty or sixty in Iceland when when the weather because there's really nothing you could do to keep warm except bike all the time. Oh, right. But um, when, like when I was in places where the weather was nicer, I would just draw for like half a day and do like thirty. Like maybe me, me yeah. forty. Then. Go to like cafes and stuff too. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and just yourself. camp where you felt like when it was the end of the day, you started um, keeping like, well, your like, eye out like for a yeah, space to camp. Yep, uh, um, like like somewhere that looked secluded enough. What do you mean? Just off the side of the road? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like I'll sleep here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like basically, like I, 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 like I was really good at. I mean, I'm still kind of good at this. Like, I could tell when it looked like the right place. Like, basically, a place which was, 
you know, not far enough away from the road that I'd have to, like, drag the bike through, like, a bunch of, you know, forest land. Um, right. But also, you know, like, like, like far enough, you know, secluded enough that I wouldn't be seen just off, like, a path. Huh. Oh, right, yeah, because you don't want somebody um, sneaking I mean, up on you or I mean, whatever. I most likely whoever was, like, would sneak up on me would be, like, a man with a dog. But, um, like, and I'd probably scare him a lot more than scare, <laughs> you know, that. Uh, but, 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 yeah, like, 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 I, you know, since you're not really supposed to camp in the middle of no, like, yeah. you know, um, um, like, like, in the, in the middle, like, I wasn't that far off the beaten track either. Like, I wasn't, like, deep in the yeah, forest. Yeah, that was going to be a, my question. I like, always imagined, yeah. Because I always <laughs> imagined you deep in the forest I was or not, I was not deep in the forest. I was just deep enough that, like, I felt like my little head, headlamp couldn't be seen from <laughs> Okay, from that's really interesting. Did you, did you run into anyone out there? Like... Uh, other people doing what you're doing. Um, did, um, did I ever tell Sleeping you? Sleeping in a ditch. Did I ever tell you the story? No. I don't know. I, I want to hear the story. I, I tell a ton of the story, but uh, I, I feel like I've told a ton every story. Either. Pretty much. He's just gonna start drifting off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, was, it was so a few years ago. I um, so, so so usually a place to sleep is you know in Europe and you know kind of safe like you know like off the side of the road is not very hard to find. Uh, but I was bicycling along, um, as I think I was going towards Barcelona from Paris, and this is kind of more towards the south of France, and it started getting dark, and all of a sudden I just entered this area, which is maybe like 10 kilometers of like, all, like, like, I don't know, car, like car yards, like, 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 and factories. And oh, they're, they're like just, a redneck. It wasn't redneck, but there's just no. I mean, it, it looked pretty like uh, like like uninhabited, but there's just nothing. Like, like abandoned, rusty cars, or no, like, no, no okay. just cars like parking lots, car factories. Um, oh, okay. Everything so is super brightly brightly lit. Not a single you know just patch of trees anywhere. Okay. <laughs> and and be, you know before that it was just you know miles and miles of this kind of gorgeous like you know it's this you know Canal du Narbonne and like you know like 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 like. Like be, you know, the day before that, and the day before that, I would just get like like the canal had these bridges, and I'd pull the bike off and like sleep like under the bridges because they're beautiful spot. Okay. And it was so peaceful and it was so beautiful, and I'd watch like the sun going up over the canal. Oh, so I'm like wow. along the same canal, except all of a sudden it's just all cars and like automotive plants. <laughs> And they keep biking, and it keeps getting darker and darker. And you actually need, you know, you need to set up while it's still kind of light out, like well, like at least so you can see what's going on. Right. Okay. And it's getting darker and darker. And then I get like after ten kilometers, I get out of the you know car yards. But then it's just like like hardcore suburbs, like just house after house with like nice little backyards and trampolines, and not a single <laughs> patch of trees to camp in. Oh but man, it's completely dark. I you know the, um and I like. This is like not not ideal. But finally, I see this like little little clump of trees, <laughs> like in a suburb. Um, it's like a lo- like maybe just out of the suburb, but it was the first clump of trees <laughs> in a while. And I was like, all right, okay. I mean, this is my like if like if this might be as good as it's I'm going to make this happen. Um, I mean, I just did. It's like it was over an hour and a half of like over when I would usually like set up set up camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just pull it, you know, like I pull my bike into this kind of like clump of trees. I, you know, don't even set up the tent. I just like find, you know, find like some flat spot and like pull out the sleeping bag and like crawl in there. And that's, that's it. Did you, did you often not set up the tent? Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I wouldn't either. Um, 
But, uh, but, but so I wake up a few hours later and I'm totally convinced that there's someone like human breathing oh right gosh. next to me. And I'm just, you know, like, and, you know, there's like little animals that like it could potentially be like, you know, hedgehogs kind of like snort, maybe like a person would, (laughs) but this feels like a person. And I'm like, oh my God, it's probably a cannibal. I had this little tiny knife that I traveled with. Uh. So I'm clutching my little tiny knife. um, And and I'm like, if he comes near me, I got to, you know, this knife is not very sharp. So I got to like go straight for the corroded, like, you know. Oh my God. And then um, so I'm just lying there for like an hour uh, you know, listening to the breathing. And Wait, so you don't know where he is, but you hear breathing. For I hear an breathing, hour. and it feels really close. Like it feels like it's like in my ear. And you didn't like pop up because you don't want to be seen if there's yeah, a possibility. I'm, I'm terrified. It's the other thing. It's it's pitch dark. Yeah, um, I'm in a clump of trees. And again, like, you're not in a tent, right? I'm not you're in a sleeping tent. Out. I'm just you know like the um, so um so, so then I start hearing this chewing. I was like, <laughs> I'm like fuck, the cannibal is like like finishing off his last victim, you know, <laughs> gnawing on a bone. At the, um, and finally, I think I just scared myself into sleep, like like I fell into some sort of like 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 coma, like comatose fear. Oh God, but I, but, I, but I woke up in the morning and I kind of like pulled my bike up to the side of you know the road and like you know wouldn't you know the bike has a flat? So then I'm fiddling around like trying to fix the flat, and it's just kind of like creature um comes out like like from about where where i was sleeping and he's got his bike well you know like he's got this like rusty old bike and like <laughs> 20 paneer bags and you, ah. you know, um I mean, he's he's like a 25 year old kid but he looks he looks pretty feral oh my god and i'm like could you uh you know could you help me fix a flat so he you know he helps me fix the flat and i was like did you sleep right there um, and he was like, yeah, it was terrible. I was looking for a place to camp, and first there was, like, miles and miles of these automotive plants, uh, and there's just nowhere, oh and then there was just, God, like, suburbs. So um, and then, you know, and then he's like, like, and then he's like, in, like, finally I see this clump of trees, and I'm like, this might be my, my only chance. I'm, like, an hour and a half past my, you know. <laughs> this is like, uncanny. Um, so, um, so he's like, and just as I start falling asleep, I hear this, like, crashing through the trees, uh. and I'm terrified, and then I, like, hear this, like, human being, like, like doing something, Thing, and I'm just like, oh, so like lying there. I terrified him, oh. uh, and, and he's like, and I'm just like lying there in the dark, and I'm scared, and I'm convinced this person is going to kill me. Finally, I get really hungry, so I start oh, like, I, so I start like eating my banana chip, you know, so, like so I ate this whole bag of banana chips because I was like hungry and scared, and you know, the, um, the, uh, and I was like, so we went, we went back in, and uh, we figured out where, we, like, we could have touched each other, like we could have, like, if either of us went, just like that like we, we, we would have like hit that each other you just so stretched crazy. out your arm and yep like we were so close to it. I mean like like oh I felt God. like his breathing was in my ear and like it, it actually was I, um, so um, yeah we actually ended up he, he ended up being a really great bicycling companion so he fixed my flat and then we went somewhere like we, we biked to the next city because we both needed to do the laundry <laughs> and uh, then we, uh, we, we I, I know somehow we kind of stuck together for um, a week or so and like really? I almost never have biking companions uh, but he was story. completely uninvasive um, he uh, he was this Finnish guy who was bicycling from Finland to Morocco trying to kind of start a new life huh. and um, 
we, you know, shared some amount of information. Like he, he kind of figured out what I wanted, which is to bike slowly and draw along the way. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of kept my pace. He would read a book. I would draw. Oh, um, that's really and nice. then, like, the last night before hitting, like, you know, the French coast, um, it turned out that the new life he was starting, so he, he kept talking about how he wanted to be a postman. Um, the, um, and I was like, well, that's a weird career goal, but you know, who knows Finland, you know, not right. cheese for, but what it turned out was that he was also like the local drug dealer. <laughs> and so he wanted wow. a career change from that. Uh, and, but he also had a lot of hallucinogenic mushrooms and I, I don't know, I was like, like this might be my last chance to eat mushrooms in like the forest in the south of France was, you know, a former drug dealer. Um, so we, <laughs> from Finland. Hey, from Finland. So yeah, so we did that together and, um, I, how is, how are the mushrooms? You know, I kind of forgot that I don't actually like hallucinogens very much, and I get really paranoid. <laughs> and the, um, so maybe not the best plan. Probably not the best plan, but I, I, I don't know. I felt like like it was a bit of an adventure, and it was something I hadn't done in a long time. So he was going from drug dealer to postman, sort so of going actually clean. Didn't, we vaguely kept in touch. He didn't end up being a postman because uh, apparently it's hard to become a postman in Finland, but he did end up, um, he got a job counseling um like 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 counseling finnish drug drug you know like drug addicted kids and taking oh. them into the forest and kind of like helping them deal with their issues like in the forest camping which seems oh. like, uh, it's perfect for yeah, yeah, it, it was, drugs it, and camping it really was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and helping people because he was overall a really you know he was a nice kid <laughs> well, that's well, those great. kids are probably a product of all his I mean, possibly. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, wonder if, I wonder if he wanted a built-in market like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Both angles on this new job. Brilliant. So that, was that, like, that wasn't the typical experience that you had cycling? Uh, no, no. Usually I, I went alone. I would meet people when I wanted to. But generally I had very few, compa- you know, kind of companions. And that's, and that's a big part of your, like, artistic... Uh, inspiration right these cycling trips um it is because i mean just because it's like i'm doing something only for myself all day long and i have no responsibilities i mean that's Mm -hmm. like a really like it clears your head very nicely and i feel like it's very easy to come up with new ideas do you feel it, it do you feel like i was just talking to someone about how when i get like physically drained or emotionally taxed in particular my ideas just dry up a little bit and then like usually i i have those i can just bank on constant stream of ideas but once i get like emotionally drained they just kind of go away i actually just don't have all that many ideas in new york because i'm so routine oriented like like i'm such a routine oriented person and uh-huh. you don't really get new ideas during routines like you execute things during routines right um like, but but like you get new ideas when you break routines and like your your brain and body actually kind of do new things and end up in new places and kind of solve new problems yeah um, that's interesting and i when i'm here like in order to be productive and in order to like whatever juggle whatever needs juggling like i i just yeah like like i create a routine and then i stick to it for like a year and then i realize i haven't had a new idea in a year and but a breaking routine is sort of like a luxury i mean it's like it, it is i mean but like, you... <laughs> well especially with the life that you have right now right i mean um, how old is mark your son now um, he's two. And I can't I just, believe, yeah. And I just spent my first night in New York 
without him. Um, Which is ever. amazing. It is, it is. It is amazing. <laughs> okay, Marshall, what are you up to? I talk to Sean every day. <laughs> I'm working on a show and teaching at the New York Academy and Art Students League all the time. It's funny, like, you talking about which we could get into, like, uh, a luxury of breaking a routine. I haven't been able to break my routine in, like, 12 years, you know? It's just, like... And and it's, uh, like, so far beyond burnout, I don't even know what you call it. Like, it's just... You mean the routine of making art and teaching? Yeah, or or, or just no days off for... 12 years, all sort of art-related shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? My ex-husband is always like, ah, I'm working, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, every day is work for me, so I don't really know what that <laughs> means. I don't really, I mean, I think he thinks that I actually don't, I have a lot of free time, but I'm like, every day is, I'm well, doing it something. Is, you do have free time. It's a weird, it's a weird almost. It's like you're doing what you want. It's a routine you pick. If you're right. lucky, it's a routine. Like, like for me, it's a routine I picked. I love painting. But see, um, I don't know if I picked mine. I, I, I think about that all the time. I guess I like, fell into it that like, if it, it feels absurd, you know. Um, but 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 you do you like the painting part of it? I do. Yeah, but it, it's like that's the only part <clears throat> that is really enjoyable. But then that's the part. That like like Kim was saying, free time is so ambiguous because like any most days I could go take a walk in Central Park at two in the afternoon or whatever. Right. So that feels like it's free time, but in reality, it just ends up you paint till <laughs> midnight or whatever and feel bad for going out and getting a drink with a friend. Uh, yeah, so it's like yeah. ever present, you know. Um, yeah, as long as I'm here, it is. Um, when I leave, I can switch it off like that. Yeah, but like, see, for, like, and I with, can't with leave. my sketchbook, I like I can, you know. Uh, you, but but here's the thing: you can leave. You ju- you just juggle a bunch of things around. You push a bunch. It, like you can. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, not the bicycle part. <laughs> 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 I would love sleeping next to strange Finland dish guys, though. Well, honestly, that was terrifying. But, but apparently, it's terrifying for him too. Yeah, but it's uh, it's like such a, a, I guess you know, a grind here, like just trying to pay exorbitant money and rent and selling paintings and teaching, uh-huh. and it's just like, oh my god, like how do you do I this? You know, how do you do it? <laughs> how, do you how, do it? how do I do it? Oh, now I have a husband with a real job, and before that, I had a um, place where I wasn't paying. So honestly, I could do it because I wasn't paying exorbitant amounts of money in rent. I had this kind of magical, like crack in the universe place where I was paying very little money in rent, and yeah. I think that allowed for like a lot more freedom than like, and and I just had like a very co- low cost of living. Is yeah. that that apartment that you just the yeah. apartment that you just left? Yeah, yeah. That tell tell me about how that apartment happened. Like it's not. I guess it's it's apartments. So it was two apartments. It's a whole building in the whole building. In the whole building, but it was almost like a squat the way um, the building seemed to work. I mean, it wasn't. 
Maybe I'm confused about that because I, mean, I didn't spend some, enough time there. There were some people who were paying rent some oh, of the okay. time. Then. I, I, I was paying rent. I wasn't paying very much rent, but like okay. I, I was paying rent um, the whole time I was there. Um, right now, my little brother-in-law is living there and not paying rent. So, um, okay. But, um, the, so oh, so there are people still living there? Well, I don't know if you ever knew Joe. He was like the criminal maintenance I met man. Joe, yeah. Yeah, so jo- Joe's still there. Um, and I gave the keys to my little little brother-in-law when we left because, like, I, I don't know, the place is just empty. And, like, like I was like, work it out with Joe. You know? uh, like, huh? the, the, like, work it out with Joe and, like, like stay there for, like, as well, like, until you get kicked out by, the, you know, until the landlord catches you and kicks you out. So it's just empty. The whole place is empty except your brother-in-law and Joe. Uh, there's my brother-in-law, Joe, and then there's this... Um, guy named Barry who Joe moved in there at some point and who worked out some deal with the landlord where like he takes care of the things that Joe can't take care of which is okay. like anything you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in exchange for not, not paying rent um, wow. but yeah so there's three people and there's maybe eight apartments uh, Wow. and they're how not did, in like very bad shape either the, how no, did you end up there great. I mean it's a fluke just yeah. Uh, yeah, just somebody you knew that you talked to, and uh, the Finnish guy in the in it, the it, woods. It, 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 it had to do with a guy. Okay, like, let's All just right. put it that way. Like, it, it had to do with a guy, um, but uh, um, the rest is this really long, convoluted story that involves you know, gay rabbis and. Uh, um, <laughs> The, um, like and fly fishing and the, um, and the um, but um, but so I ended up there. It's like a Garrison Keeler story. <laughs> uh, so, well, for a while, I was actually the only person in that building. So, oh so wow! People wow. Loved visiting me in New York because I could just give them an entire apartment. Just give them an apartment. That's amazing. And then and then I you know. Like a friend of mine moved in there, and then my sister moved in. So for a while, for a while, it was full of Russian girls, and then they started slowly getting pregnant and moving out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one who's you know the, 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 the one you met whose apartment like like all that all that food was in, she was I think she she had the dubious distinction of being the only one to leave that building before getting pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the, but that building was like a center of a lot of uh, art. Yeah. Talks and and uh, uh, art events, right? It's the center of a lot of parties, I say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, actually, for me and Tana, my sister used to host these like drawing and reading out loud parties there for like a year and a half every I'm Sunday, s- uh, and that was fantastic. That's that was great. actually the um, where like it, it was reasonably like low pressure like people would just bring stuff that they would write and people would like you know read it out loud and everyone would draw and you know like cook things or you know then eat that sounds amazing yeah that does sound amazing except for that one time that we like found the car wreck and took all the spare stuff in my apartment and um like and and like decorated the crashed car and made a piece of installation art do you remember that yep it was a uh i think it was like a white Sedan. Uh, I mean, it was like a shell of a car. Yeah. Uh, but what, like but yeah. right outside of the apartment or something? It was a block down. I'd just been walking by it. Like it had been, you know, like like it, like it was a totally wrecked car and had been walking by it for like two weeks. And at some point, like we were just, you know, like we had one of those nights and it was like two in the morning. And I was like, why don't we 
take a bunch of stuff from the apartment that like I am no longer using and need to clean out and see if we can make some installation art out of this. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so like what types of things? Um, I mean there's there's some clothing, there's some dead flowers, there's you know the um dead flowers, sure. I, I think we have flowers. like I think we have pictures actually yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, I think great. it's on Facebook somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can so, put them on the Oh, website. yeah, you should definitely yeah. send us those pictures. That's but it fun. does speak to kind of an a interesting point about New York City and rent and, you know, a story as old as time, but does seem to be escalating, that you found a neat pocket and there were interesting people and you did interesting things with that. And then the fear that everyone experiences of losing whatever sort of apartment they have and re-entering that system. Like I have a friend right now who's looking for an apartment after she was pretty stable for a few years, lost that. And the price now is so exorbitant all over. It's like, how do you, how do you make that work? How does any artist survive here? I think there's, I mean, I guess I got lucky because like, but, but here, but here's the thing. I've always been able to find like wherever I lived, I would find these kind of cracks in the, you know. That seems to be one of your big skills. It, it, it it was, I I don't know if I still have it. Um, (laughs) Like it might've, you know. Is it charm? What is it? Is it, does it come down to that? No, it's actually saying maybe where other people would say, no, get away from me. Uh-huh. Like, like, I don't say yes, I, but, but like there's situations where like, like some, you know, like where most people would be like, no, this is like a really dodgy situation. Um, I'm going to go look for something else. And I'm like, yeah, maybe this could work. I can make this work. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so are you saying bohemian mentality? I don't think it's bohemian because I'm a reasonably practical non-bohemian person, but I know that I've always had this and, um, I guess when you have something, you don't think of it as a strange, you know, mm-hmm. thing. But every once in a while, like me and my sister would talk about this, and she was like, "Yeah, you've got a really high tolerance for the bizarre." <laughs> <laughs> Is it an openness when you meet people? But a lot of people are. It's 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 an openness to something, and I think it's an openness to like I I really do have a higher tolerance for weirdness. Than, mm. Than, than, than most people, and, you know, some, sometimes the results of that are, but are I not think positive. Then. I agree. Uh, of course I agree with what you're saying, but it seems like people don't get invited to, to bizarre. Like, there are people who might have an openness to it, but I don't know, like a, like a sketchy free building, essentially. I think anyone would but say it, yes but, it, but I've always had, you know, like like everywhere I've lived, I would end up in pretty much, I mean, not free, like some of them were free, but that one, you know, but like that one wasn't. But, it, but, you know, like I lived in a place like that in Amsterdam when I was 19, which is almost identical. Like, um, yeah. the, oh, uh, right. You went for, you studied for a year in Amsterdam, right? I studied for six months oh, in six Amsterdam. Months. And I actually studied for two weeks before realizing that that was like a program that was just really not a good fit for me. So um, Was it more conceptual or? Uh, it was the school that produced Mondrian. And okay. I think I really wanted to learn how to paint like Rembrandt. And um, they thought that that was like not a useful skill and they were not equipped to teach that. And hmm. I was like, all right, I'm in Amsterdam. Um, I, I have a pass that allows me into like any museum like like for a year. Um I, I just, you know, like, what, why am I going to spend time in this place where, like, I, I could actually, like, learn from people who are, well, who are dead, but um, who, are, who are much more relevant to what I want to know at the moment. To the... Did you yeah. do studies at the museums there, or? 
Yeah, I lived in museums partially because my squat didn't have heat. So, you know, like that. Uh, <laughs> and that actually won the squat. <laughs> was it like one of those anti-crack things? Because I know uh, we talked about this before on another podcast because they have this anti-crack uh, policy where they give artists certain spaces because they don't want it to become a squat, but it was a legit uh, squat, or? No, you know what, so the other part of the building was a legit squat. Mine was an anti-squat, where I could basically stay there for free, um, because the guys that, you know, kind of owned the building, um, didn't want it to become a squat, so. so that's uh, the anti-crack, uh, that's what they call it, anti-crack. In, okay, uh, we were not smoking crack, but. No, <laughs> no, that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that's, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that they, so, 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 I don't, so, so, I think it's a Dutch so, yeah, word yeah, that doesn't, yeah, 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 I don't so, think it's yeah, necessarily yeah, so about crack. Like, yeah, half the building got squatted, and then I was like, you know, me and this, uh, this Catalonian couple were holding down the fort on, on the other half of that building. But. Okay. So we're like one stage up from squatters. So. so the landlord was happy to have you there. I say, um, they were for a while the landlords. And then <laughs> for a I while, think spring happened, and one of them went off his meds, and um, I, I, I know went kind of insane and started suspecting the Catalonian couple of being Catalonian terrorists. Uh oh. And wow. um, one day they just like came home and like all their stuff was out on the sidewalk and. Oh. Um, we called the police and tried to deal with this, and the police asked me what happened. I was like, these people are just living here. <laughs> the, uh, they're, they're not terrorists. Uh, uh, and and the the uh, guys that ran the squad, uh, like the, the place, they got so mad because they felt like I was taking their side. And... Um, and so I, um, you know, like I stayed with the Catalonian kids at some apartment full of Catalonian immigrants, like in another part of the city that night. And then I came back and like, they just like changed the law, you know, the locks and threw all of my stuff out. And, uh, hmm. uh, and then I lived on, um, um, a, like a Dutch farm next to Wallaby farm and, um, in exchange for smoking endless amounts of pot was the guy that owned it. Uh, um, okay. And he said that, you know, I couldn't stay at the Get Lucky because, uh, the, you know, they were full because of May Day, but I could stay with you didn't him. get lucky. <laughs> get lucky in the Get Lucky. Hey, she, was, <laughs> she was out of lucky. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, he said I could stay with him on his farm outside of Amsterdam, and it was in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And he had um, um, his oldest daughter was was staying there and she the first thing she she did when when you know like like you know she's she's 29 I think when I came there she said you know your eyebrows are terrible let me help you with that and then she plucked all of my eyebrows out so then within like 10 minutes there I had no eyebrows what <laughs> uh, uh, um, then you know, wait how old was she 29 oh god uh, that's funny and then she um and then like his two kids from a second marriage were there like I think he was getting a divorce from second wife but she was still there sometimes uh, with her like lesbian drum drum circle like in the basement and <laughs> then there was this um there was like two polish au pairs and um that I, I know like three dogs two cats and this german truck driver that was just like carrying drugs across the border and crashing on the couch <laughs> and what this guy kind of wanted me for was um he didn't have like a pot smoking buddy um, and, you know, um, I, like he had everything else 
like every other desire in his, in his life. Yeah, I mean, he, he sounded like he was not want for interesting people in his um, life. No, he didn't. But he wanted someone to smoke pot with, uh, which mm. is something that I actually hadn't been doing in Amsterdam and didn't like. But I needed a place to stay, and so he had this whole. So you smoke pot for rent, basically. Yeah, so he had this room um, in like just, the attic of this place that so was basically so just dedicated. Bonus. It was like his pot room. <laughs> and he would listen to Gibbon's Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, like the audiobook, like in, in the background, and what? pontificate about like Canadian Canadian Dutch relations and throw just heaps, like, you know, he had this backpack full of pot and he'd throw like a handful of it in the vaporizer and my brain was just like, I could think I could feel it melting out of my ears and I'm not a good stone person. I'm like a paranoid and I'm like, like, you know, kind of retarded stone person. So I'd just be paranoid and there'd be nowhere to go except for this wallaby farm that was like maybe a kilometer away. So I'd just go to the wallaby farm and, and, and look at the wallabies. If this is in like a farm and sort of in the country, right? Yeah. Did you, did you feel uh, nervous? Did you feel threatened i mean i'm not saying he was threatening but, he wasn't threatening but uh, to, i mean that's a that's an intense situation um i i honestly i i really I, like i felt hungry a lot of the time because he was well, a really yeah hard, he was a really hardcore vegan no, really <laughs> vegan so there was just like nothing to eat that had any calories <laughs> like like because because there was only tofu and grass in the refrigerator um i just like didn't really know what what to do i didn't have like a book I get you know like 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 I like I had a sketchbook but I had a hard time like writing or drawing I mean like, if he's like, like a know. nefarious character he was doing it just right keeping you stoned and malnourished <laughs> right he could have died I mean, it, it could have really, been a sect he was really not nefarious at all he's more like a Tom Robbins character so um what's funny is that many years later I ended up back in Amsterdam and um and I looked up the get lucky guest house it had like closed but I was walking by where it used to be and he was just sitting on the steps. No, he looked exactly the same. And wow, um, still doing the same stuff. And I was like, Alan, and he said, you know, you're the girl with the sketchbook. Like, you didn't remember my name. Uh, um, <laughs> and he was like, like, and I was like, do you remember I used to like clean hotel rooms here? And he's like, well, do you want to clean hotel rooms again? Because the person that was cleaning hotel rooms like here up until today just walked out in a fit of like alcoholic fury and you know um, <laughs> like uh, like and we really need someone to do this right now and I was like okay I'm, I'm in and huh. so within like an hour of being in Amsterdam I you had fell my, into a job I had wages. my old job back and you know, I, I, <laughs> stayed, I, I stayed just... in, I stayed in the get lucky I, I think, oh I think God, you do have like so a lucky great. star or a bizarrely lucky star. I don't know. That, a star so, that that was lucky. So 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 honestly though, like I so I really like that character and like the like there's like a whole set of other characters associated with the get lucky that I also like. But I think a lot of people would have maybe really freaked out and like like it was like not for yeah. it, it was just like not for everyone. Um, right. Yeah, it's interesting how you do that. Like my my therapist would if I was to say I just get lucky or I have a tolerance for that that bizarreness, I think my therapist would be like, no, you actively 
get into these situations. No, I know what you mean. I said, look, I know what you mean, and I know people who actively get into these situations, and I'm not one of them. I passively passively get get into these situations, (laughs) and then like kind of like don't say no at like at the times that would have been like the cutoff line for. I know people who actually like seek the shit out. Um, Yeah, Ed. Um, Ed was like that. (laughs) Who's the guy who wrote Cider House Rules again? John Irving. Yeah. Sounds like a John Irving story, like straight because uh, his stories are kind of pa- his characters are usually kind of passive too, and they end up in these really but his bizarre are like situations. An- but they're like annoyingly passive. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I feel like I'm not that passive, but I don't go actively looking for weird shit. You know who's the, um? Remember Keith, the guy that yes. we interviewed? Yeah. Remember all of his stories? He actively looks for the shit and then acts surprised <laughs> when he gets you know. The, like, like when, yeah. he, when he gets into it. His or, narrative is always like, oh, I, I was just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it, um, this happened. Like, uh, it's this no happened, man. and the next thing I know, I'm, like, sitting on the back of a naked sumo wrestler making out with a girl who's not my, my girlfriend on, on, on Japan, national Japanese television, and then my girlfriend <laughs> sees it, like, like on, t- on television, whacks me over the head of the bar chair, and I get a concussion, and end up back in the States. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and, and every time I hear him, I'm like, mm. like, really? Are you really surprised? Like, no one who knows you is surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, though, because... Like you said before, some people would just be averse to it. They would have just ran the other way, whereas you just accept it. I I accept more. Like I don't look for it, but I do think I'm much more light. Like I I like I I have my limits, um, but they're not where like some like most people's limits are, and I'm old enough to know that. But I wonder yeah. if it, in if there's a curiosity in you and a a genuine love of people that is a motor behind a lot of these circumstances. Um, so, I, so I have a personal theory about this. What's what's actually in me is a lack of imagination, where where I think people with an active imagination, when they meet someone who's like maybe like a little like off like off off some grid um, that, that's considered acceptable. They imagine how this person would be, I don't know, raping them and killing them in an alley uh-huh. um, uh, the, or just escape from a mental institution. Um, or, you know, they maybe have the idea to go hitchhike around Europe, but they're like, oh, well, here's uh, 10,000 ways that that could go very, very badly wrong. And they imagine a few of these ways. And, um, and they, uh, ma- they um, make plans for safety that might be a little more conventional. Well, it's than more, it's more, it's, it's more like they just don't do the stuff because they have an imagination, and their imagination kind of gives them these scenarios of things that could go badly wrong. And I think I'm actually not very imaginative, so I, I can't even I, like like I, like I can't imagine you know my sleeping in a patch of trees like going badly wrong. But, um, so I just do it because I can't like you know. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like imaginationally limited. <laughs> and then you have a bizarre reaction to terror that it puts you to sleep for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's kind of like right. your symptom. Yeah. 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 Y
only so long you can be so terrified of like one one thing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it makes generally it it doesn't it 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 invigorates the senses it a little for, more. It did, it did for a while, like, it did for a while, where I was like, um, and then then I just kind of cut my face and you know, scared myself. You two were just terrified <laughs> sleeping right next to each other. Well, hey, his reaction to being terrified of this, you know, what he heard was was, to, was compulsive eating. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting to me too. I was like, who eats when they're terrified? Like, these are too bizarre. Yeah. You know, like usually it's a fight or flight. It's like for these guys, it's fight, flight, sleep, eat, fight, eat flight, banana eat. chips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And what a snack to go out on banana chips, man. Come on, you could do better I mean, than he that. showed me. Yeah. He, he went through a whole huge bag. Um, <laughs> in the I just saw he was, you know, gnawing on bones. <laughs> uh, as a cannibal would. Hey, we were talking about uh, routine earlier, not to change the subject. And I know it's fascinating, banana chips <laughs> and all that. But uh, we were talking about routine earlier, and we just, I think we uh, missed it because we went on a break. I wanted to ask you about, um, like, what was your routine before and what is your routine now, having a child, and how do you manage the arts, the art life, the curating that you do, and making your artwork now that you have a child? Badly. Um, (laughs) um, Honestly, I, I feel like, I mean, like, I have, like, one you know, like hour every, like in a few weeks or so where I'm like, I got this. I'm like an artist and a mother and, you know, then this and that. And then the whole rest of the time, I actually just feel like I'm like not a particularly good mother because I'm like trying to paint and not like paying as much attention to my child as, you know, like, like I, I should. And I feel like I'm not a particularly good artist because like I spent so much time reading Little Blue Truck, you know, (laughs) over and over and over again. And like, Uh you know, watching Peppa Pig and, um, and, and, you know, um, so yeah, I just feel like I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of things, but I'm not sure I'm doing any of them very well. <laughs> Do you feel like like you had a routine before Mark and now like You know, I I did have a routine before Mark. Oh, it's so more honestly, random now. Um well, because I'm at his beck and call, you, right. you know. But, um but but honestly even before Mark, I, I I do remember that I kept complaining about not having enough time for everything. Like I think there's just never enough time. Do you um, think right. balance is if you're a thoughtful person, do you think balance is possible? Like, because making one choice, it's so singular. You're leaving other things out. And I, I know from my personal experience, it's always like, if there are like <coughs> four balls to juggle, like life, career, making money, making paintings... And it feels like something always suffers. Like, you're, I'm not spending enough time with someone. I'm not... Something's not. always got to give. Yeah. And it feels like if you're actually thinking and just not falling into cliches, like, oh, balance, balance now. It seems like if you give it 10 seconds of thought, you know that you're not I think doing you, I think you can be balanced for maybe 10 seconds per day. Yeah, yeah right. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and if you, you know, and only... And, and that's like a, almost like a choice. You like choose to feel that way you just convince um, yourself right uh, uh you convince yourself for like 10 seconds that you yeah. that, that you're you're balanced but, but really like um 
Like, if you're not a complete asshole, um, then, yeah, 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 I think if you're a complete asshole, then you're just going to, like, not give a fuck that you're, you're being, like, not a good, I don't know, parent, child, whatever, friend. Right. And maybe you can, like, fully concentrate on pain. <laughs> but if uh-huh. you're not a complete asshole, you're just trying to juggle, like, you know, you still want, like, a corner of life to yourself, and you still, you need money, and, you know, you want to have friends, and you want to, like, be loved and love someone, and yeah, yeah, I mean... Like, uh, balance is bullshit. Uh, balance I mean, it's just, just like a nice word. Uh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I get I get upset when people talk about the balance they found because I'm like, you didn't. You're, well, you're look at all these things you're missing out on. Look at how you're losing in all these areas. Well, maybe 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 they did. I I don't know. Like, like so so on. I mean, so I think life is amazing. Like when I think of like how short life is, I get so like just like sad and angry and furious i know we, we have so little time to like where where we're even reasonably in control of anything like there's all these mm. years kind of becoming a person yeah. and then after that there's all these years like taking care of other people if you you know like i don't know children parent you know aging parents whatever mm-hmm. and there, there's really so little time to you know like kind of just be yourself you know like yourself and not feel guilty about it um uh, like, like I, I, I don't know. Uh, like, I think I just want more of everything. Like, I, Does, I sometimes complain about, you know, the time I spend reading Little Blue Truck to, you know, my toddler. Mm-hmm. But, like, honestly, like, like I like I love having a toddler. I love painting. I don't know. I love bicycling. I, um, like, I, like, I want more of all of it. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm already balancing things badly. Like, I'm already juggling badly. I'm already feel like I'm constantly, like, not doing something very well and I just want more of these things like like all of these things but let's define badly because your idea of badly is to some of us incredibly prolific I mean you have like you did that whole show with uh, Secret Life of Trees and a whole solo show you put a whole solo show together you had a huge amount of work that you put into making that happen you made the show happen and in between your balance, you're you're doing your Instagram account. You're you're curating. Well, Instagram is like shows. five minutes a day. I mean that, that okay, should, okay, that's, that's, that's not like a, curating, that's not an occupation. Okay, well you're curating shows as well. I mean badly to some people. Bad. I mean I, defining the word badly is like I, I feel like it's different like, for different people. You I mean, get like, a lot done. I do, but I also there's a lot I don't get done, and I drop the ball on a lot of things. And and actually, when I did that tree show, I think I had like almost superhuman powers of concentration, because the child really did leave me so little free time that like like I think I went kind of like nuts. Mm. And I think right now I actually kind of lost these superhuman powers of concentration. Like I have more time, and sometimes I just space out and stare at the ceiling, and mm. then I feel guilty about it. <laughs> Didn't I uh, take Mark through Central Park? For that meeting, you did, you did actually. So when, <laughs> so so when I was trying to arrange that uh, tree tree show at Bernaduce Maiso, um, uh, so like like I basically made ton walk around Central Park with with Mark, <laughs> <laughs> and I was freaking out. <laughs> In because like the middle of the winter, he would just start to start to whimper. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit! I'm like, stick the pacifier back in his mouth. Stick, stick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, it, it was it lasted quite you know quite a while until it, he just it just didn't work anymore. 
And he just started bawling. I'm like, oh, oh fuck, God. oh, fuck. He was just like white little baby. <laughs> like, you know, like people are going to... Think, think that you're a terrible father? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you've accosted somebody's child? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then yeah. she came back in the nick of time. So she picks him up, and she kind of pats his back, and he just farted. <laughs> I think he farted, or burped. I don't know. He did something, and that, that's all it was. Like He either needed to burp or fart, and I didn't because how would like I know all, that? Because that's like all babies really need tonight. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> How do you make this thing work? What button thing. do you push? Dude, that is the scariest thing. When you when you have a little charge and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, and yeah. you, you think it's is it gonna die? Like, what is this thing gonna do? Yeah, I had this. I recently uh, dog sat for these little little bitty dogs, and one of them just wouldn't eat because its family wasn't there. Oh yeah, it's right. terrifying. And I'm like, what do you do? And I wind up like spoon feeding this thing yogurt, <laughs> and it's just like terrifying. And you feel like you won the lottery when it finally eats a little yogurt. You're like, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I still think, I, I still think taking care of kids is scary. By the way, <laughs> and you go through this constantly. Ever since the baby came, um, right? I have to say, I actually got, like, that whole lack of imagination. Like, I, I didn't, like, you know, which kept me from being scared. Uh, the kid really put a dent into that. Or now I, I have all sorts of, you know, like, unple- like kind of unpleasant imagination where I'm like, but what if he just runs in front of a car? Or what if he licks a light socket and electrocutes himself? Or, and, the, and yeah, yeah like, like I, never, I was never afraid that I would get hurt, but now I'm, like, afraid that he'll get hurt, like, 15 times a day. Yeah. yeah. And it's all so it's 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 awful. It sucks. Like yeah. like um like 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 I I wish and you know, it Sick. doesn't do any good. Like like all this fretting. Like like it's not like it's I'm keeping him safer. I'm just you know like creating like keeping stories. myself up at night. Yeah. Uh, it probably does keep him safer to a degree, though. I mean, definitely yeah. fear is a it serves a purpose for yeah, us. Yeah, it's just I so I have a lot more fear in my life now than before I had him. The, because it's the, not just you now. Welcome right? to the yeah. human race, Dina. Yeah, yeah, I guess, oh God, I became a person. <laughs> You're adulting now. But, but, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't like I never thought of myself as fearless, but like I, I did have that nice unimaginativeness that, that kind of like, that I think kind of doubled as courage. The, yeah, um, right? That, yeah. that really, that, that really vanished like overnight. So that, does that fear then cut into your work since you're like thinking about all those things? It's no, it's keeping just, you from. No, it just makes me more tense. Yeah. Like the like, I still do. I am routine driven. I just do whatever I you know. Like the, the kid goes to sleep. I get my drawing board out. I, you know the. Um, but 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 yeah. No, I just sometimes I like I'm you know like before falling asleep I'm lying in bed and I was like, hmm. There's something like really, you know, like like wrong with the way I feel right now, and then I realize it's because like I'm like I'm doing this. I'm like like, like I've got like my nails dug into like my skin. You're and clenching. Like, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And I was like, oh, it's probably unclenched. There's nothing to be, you know, there's nothing to be that scared of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, uh, I became much more boring as as a mother. No, I I don't think you became boring in any way. Well, you didn't know me before. Oh. <laughs> well, that's true. You had all those adventures. So, but you well, know. let's uh, yeah. Speaking of before, let's uh, go back to the beginning of your story because it's interesting. Like, where yeah. are you from? What was 
What were your sibling like? What were your parents like? You guys know my siblings. Ton even knows my parents. <laughs> you know yeah, I, I was a, not I was everybody. The we know. Asian kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're know. you're basically the Burmese part of my family. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, ton, tell ton, them ton, about... What's my family like? <laughs> They're yeah. brilliant, they're crazy, and fun, and very laid back, all, all at the same time. I come from, oh. honest, I come from, like, a really good family. Like, like yeah. really, 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 like, like lucky as they far as... They put up with so. a lot of shit. They do, <laughs> put, they, they do put up with a lot of shit. <laughs> I was surprised. And, um, and my, but, yeah, tell them about, you know, how, like, like your dad and how... The, the whole like Chernobyl thing, and <laughs> yeah, because you're from Minsk. Uh, Minsk, is that, I, 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 am, that right? I am from Belarus. I, I am from Minsk. I am from it well, is Minsk. it is the second. Uh, it is like the closest big city to Chernobyl. But I don't um, think I'm particularly radioactive. Like like I haven't glowed in the dark in years. So. But you were you were there when that happened. I I, I was, and um, uh, my, my my father was actually working in a military base, really really close to. Oh my. Chernobyl when it happened, oh, wow. but he happened. He was because he was he's an X-ray engineer, so he's fixing an X-ray X-ray machine in the military base, and uh, it, he was in like a lead-lined room when Chernobyl happened. Oh, really? Wow. Day, yeah, which is like an incredibly lo- lucky place to be. If, That's a you know, place the, to be. It's a nuclear disaster, you know, like like fifteen fifteen <laughs> kilometers away. <laughs> wow. But um, but um, so, so we came to America when I was I was eight I think or nine and my sister was was around five to Boston right uh yeah yeah to, okay. to, 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 and 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 honestly like life really just like improved dramatically after we left Belarus Belarus was like Belarus really sucked did you Is speak that you... English before you got here no no uh-oh. You were really into bananas, right? Because I was really into. I'm still really into bananas, but 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 like so, so I never. <laughs> so I saw banana once in Belarus. Mostly, it's the kind of thing that you read about in books about American oh Im- Im- about, about American imperialism. Uh, but but in somehow, our great bananas. So, um, but, but but somehow somehow we like, chips out somehow of towards like the end of like our time in Belarus, like things started sneaking in from the west, and I. Huh. I remember, like, there's one summer where my, my parents got some, you know, black market bananas somewhere, and we'd eat them, we'd cut them up into these tiny little pieces, oh, and, like, gosh. every day you could have, you know, the, so, like, yeah, the fact that you could go to a supermarket and get bananas is amazing, oh still amazing. I am going to go and get some bananas right <laughs> away now. <laughs> you get them for, like, a dollar for, for five That's of them on, on street corners. Oh, my That's gosh, like, it really I... gives you some sort of perspective on, like... Being the kind of society that we're in now, we like we have a, a, a culture of abundance. It's now, it's, it's so, it's, so good. Like it's so good. It uh, must be you have a real perspective on that. I think you know. But you know, I, as a kid, like I remember what it was like. But it's not like I, I mean, like the form, like the main part of my life, like the, my like even the part of my childhood that really matters is here. <laughs> Has know. that though shaped you <laughs> politically, seeing like more communist type countries, and then the? Um, it probably did. It probably made me a lot more right wing than I would have been otherwise, just mm-hmm. because like you know, communism sucks so much. Then. Hmm. Interesting. Like, like, like communism is like a really, really terrible political kind of ideology, which basically 
kind of leads to immense amounts of bloodshed, like everywhere that it gets implemented. It's just like Mm -hmm. a really bad, like, like, like it drives me nuts when people are like, oh, it's a good idea. It just got like implemented badly. It's just a fucking terrible idea. Like if if, if an idea, every time it gets like, you know, like it gets brought into life leads to like, just like a ton of bloodshed. It's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like that would be the logical conclusion to that. (laughs) Is that why your parents got out of Belarus because uh, they were just sick of the political situation? I mean, I mean, Belarus just really sucked. I mean, back then it was the Soviet Union, but, but mm-hmm. the Soviet Union really sucked. Belarus maybe sucked a little bit more than most places because it was poorer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also Jewish and like, you couldn't really do anything there if you were Jewish. Like there was just universities which had tiny Jewish quotas. And if you didn't make that, then like, couldn't go or you couldn't get your PhD or you couldn't get a good job so oh, like wow. my parents are both working crappy jobs and they're both like very very smart people and and it's it feels very like medieval because mm. in America like being Jewish is so just like irrelevant like New York I don't know right um like like who who cares right um but but there if you had a last name that says Jewish as ours like there's just like paths and lives that are completely close to you wow. and and wow. To, to be fair like non-Jewish Belarusians, like had a like their life sucked too. <laughs> okay, so everybody's life sucked, but everyone's it sucked li- more every- if you were Jewish. Yes, everyone's life. You know, like like everyone's life sucked anyway. <laughs> huh. What did they do when they came over to the states? What are your What are your the occupations of your parents? Um. So right now, um. Right right now, I mean, my mother is an ESL teacher, and then she teaches music theory, hmm. and my father um, is kind of an inventor but you know i mean some form of computer programmer where he he, he kind of brings devices into into life the, huh. oh, that's uh, cool. but i mean for the first few years i think my mother was playing uh church like concerts in churches uh, and the yeah. and, wait and say that again they were doing my, what? My, my mother was uh she she's a piano uh, she's a pianist so uh, oh playing in churches she, she met this really nice uh ni- like nice black guy who was like the high school you know like our high school music uh music teacher and he introduced her you know he would take her to all these like kind of all black churches and hmm. she would play the piano there like she was there their Sunday morning pianist. <laughs> oh, that's and, cool. Um, my, my father would fix x-ray machines. Uh, okay. Huh. Kind of what you put another, in, another but, lead vest idea. Um, I mean, so, 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 I mean, they, they eventually kind of got better, you know, like, like, like got better jobs and learned how to speak English. And, uh, mm-hmm. So um, they didn't speak English either. No. no uh, um, wow. What's, you know, what's crazy is that they were... Right, is it like they were five years younger when they came here than I am right now? Yeah. Wow. Like oh, wow. They were, were, were like 31, 32. Does that give so. you kind of a perspective on what it must have been yeah, for I them? Think, yeah, I think my life is so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because like when my mom was 31, like, you know, she was like trying to make a li- you know, like, like working minimum wage jobs here mm-hmm. while like not speaking the language. Um, her own mother was depressed and kind of like just had a lot of physical problems. So she's taking care of her. Mm. She's, you know, my, um, my grandfather, um, had by that point really advanced Alzheimer's. So he was just really kind of, I mean, really bad shape or living with all of them. And she mm. had two kids. So. Wow. Um, oh, so yeah. But by time she was, so she was taking care of essentially two different generations. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Wow. Uh, and probably emotionally taking care of my dad too. No, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like I feel like my, my life compared to that is just, just, just like, like I'm so lucky. Like I've got no problems. That's so interesting. Wow. And you and your sister both ended up being painters out of that, um, out of that uh, personal life. So I'm, I, I'm curious, did your parents inspire you to get into painting uh, both no, of you or no, no I think they would have much preferred that we became like doctors and lawyers yeah <laughs> doctors and lawyers <laughs> um my sister was actually she was the one she was like like painting and drawing as a kid like she was an artsy kid she's your younger sister yeah right yeah. okay um so it's actually like like through kind of like elementary school, high school, she was the one who was, you know, kind of like, you know, she was the artsy one, but then she was also very good at everything else. So, um, so I think my parents were just always figured that she would kind of play with this and then become, you know, a philosophy professor or something. Uh-huh. And I was kind of underachieving at everything, including art. So I think when I got into it at university, my, my parents were kind of enormously just relieved and happy that I was um, doing anything, really. <laughs> just, you know, like other than, than smoking pot and, you know, going on about hitchhiking around Europe. <laughs> um, and then by the time um, so I got lucky and I started selling work very early, and I think by the time they realized I was serious about this, I was making enough money to support myself in the lifestyle that I, you know, that I needed at the time, which okay. at UMass Amherst meant living in a room for 150 bucks a month and I don't know, living off ramen noodles, but like I could support myself in that, in, in, in that life uh-huh. by selling work. And so when they kind of realized that I'm not doing something very practical with my life, like I remember like there was very few discussions that were like, maybe you should try graphic design, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and it was, it was too late. Like, like I was, you know, making some kind of living at it and, and then a few years later, my sister ended up at the same university and ended up an art major. And then it was too late to tell her that she should do something more practical because I was already doing it. But oh, right. Yeah, that You paved the way <laughs> for her. That um, is interesting in that you are a really high-functioning person. And it seems like you had a lot of, just with your intellect, a lot of options open for you. And you did choose such a tough path do you find do you do you have what are the consequences like pro and con about a, a I, thing I like didn't, that I, I'm not like so I, I'm like a reasonably high functioning person right now I wasn't when I picked that path I was mm. actually just not very good at anything uh, I, I almost it was, it, it was kind of a combination of all of these things I wasn't very good at anything and I didn't have enough of an imagination and it was the first time in my life where I really wanted to do something and I had no imagination that would have kind of imagined failing. Like I couldn't imagine failing at being an artist because, um, because I had no imagination. (laughs) Um, and it's like, what, what else am I going to (laughs) do? Wait, didn't you say you wanted to be, um, creature or something? I wanted to be a wolf. Um, like, 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 well, like, like in, in Belarus. And since that couldn't potion. actually happen. Like, so, so in, in Belarus, when they would ask in school, like, what, what you wanted to be, and kids were like, soldier or astronaut or whatever, I wanted to be a wolf. And I was very convinced that if I just worked really hard at it and just practiced being a wolf every day, I would become a wolf. Did you howl at the moon? Or? No, 
I felt like the wilderness survival skills were like what what I needed. I felt like howling at the moon was just aesthetic. <laughs> no, but howling at the moon is fundamental for a wolf. Yeah, it is fundamental. That's why you failed. That was like the well, one I was busy today. trying to like sniff out deer, Belarusian uh, <laughs> forest. But yeah, you couldn't imagine success not success at painting, but like success in painting is so small like as your life has gone on do you think about uh that that those other paths being a doctor or lawyer and how much sort of there's just nothing I, I would have been a terrible doctor or lawyer um i i, I think so, so life life is i mean on one hand it's very short but on the other hand like the days are long and mm. like painting is like the you know like days like i remember when short. i I remember when when I first started painting, and I was like, I could do this for twelve hours a day. I could do this for eighteen hours a day. Yeah. And there's like nothing else that I want to do for eighteen hours a day. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think so. So seriously, actually, at some point, I, I thought I would work with animals, or like I thought I'd be a veterinarian. And then it turned out that you actually needed to pass chemistry. Oh no! In, in we order, were on the same trajectory. And I did the same thing, and I could not memorize the periodic table for anything. I just couldn't. I, I could, but I couldn't understand it. Like, like chemistry was, you know, biology. You could memorize a bunch of stuff. Uh, chemistry, you actually needed. It was the first subject where you actually needed to like understand how things worked, and I mm. just didn't uh, because mm. I'm not not that high functioning at anything except like art, really. The, you have a uh, photographic memory, though. I used right. to. You used to. Uh, yeah, smoking a lot of pot in high school really, you know, <laughs> really took care of that. I mean, <laughs> at the, at the get, yeah, that, that whole get lucky experience, get lucky. My, my memory was yeah. never the same. Oh, no. I think you told me, um, was it in high school or something? Did, did the government recruit you? No, I think in college, I think college. the CIA tried to, um, like, like, called me and asked if I was, like, or maybe it was, like, right after college. The, a beginning of grad school, I think I got yeah. a phone call from the CIA uh, asking if I would be like interested in some, some sort of like training program. Oh, oh wow. really? Well, I know a lot of artists get <coughs> get recruited for their scanning abilities and a lot of that stuff, like finding anomalies and, and photos and, I think and stuff. That I, I speak fluent Russian, so I think it was <laughs> it's probably just that. The, She's uh, actually an agent right now. Yeah. Yes. Picking up uh picking up information about the New York art world is <laughs> super useful to the Russian government. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the New York art world. So you were part of the gallery system. You had a gallery straight out of college, right? Or? You know, I in some ways so, so I started selling work um a few like you know, a few years before the economy collapsed this last time around, and so I, I had a gallery very you know, I mean not like the fanciest gallery, but um, I was showing probably since I was about twenty, and kind of, and because um, I mean I was making like pretty stuff that could mm. like go over people's couches, and mm. um, and and like the economy was in good shape and I kind of got very spoiled but but like my idea was that you make a bunch of paintings you have a show and the show basically sells out and mm-hmm. that allows you to pay the rent for the next year and then you get another show together and you have another show and that also sells out 
Mm. And then, like, around 2008, 2009, that basically stopped happening. Like, you could have a show and actually nothing sold. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or j- just that was when I stopped expecting things to sell through galleries. And it was kind of a rough transition where, like, um, where, where I went from, like, oh, I can make a living at this to, wait, I can't make a living at this. Uh, what the fuck do I do now? Huh. And so what was your solution to that? Taking on more hours at Egal. Um, I mean, I was, I was living cheaply, so that that helped. And I think during those years where I could, you know, I had a few sold out shows, so I paid off my student loans. Okay. And and that like was really helpful. So you paid too. that off with art. That's awesome. I well, it was art. It was also that I was like working at Egal's, like basically sleeping there several nights a week, and then going back to Boston because I was officially living with my parents. And, like, basically I was commuting from Boston to New York, sleeping at work for, like, a few nights every week. Mm. I had some sort of teaching gig there, um, and I was getting a show together, and I was really, really tired all the time. And I took took that Greyhound bus, like, more than anyone would ever want to. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, no one wants to take a Greyhound bus more than... A like, couple times. Or I mean, during food time uh, in the studio. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but um, but yeah. So I, I, I mean, I was also like very young, and I was very afraid of being in debt, and it was like worth 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 the peace of mind to kind of do do that. So like that was it, a big motivator for you. So I, I felt like I probably wasn't in as much financial trouble as like a lot of other people, but I, I basically just started thinking a little bit like outside. But it the, can be crippling that. That type of uh, college debt, grad school debt, it sort of puts you in a holding pattern where you can't, you, once you're out, you're taking jobs to pay those off. And it can, um, yep. it can be insane. That and period. for a while I was working like, I was working so many little jobs. I guess Egal's was like the one constant, but like I was teaching here and there, I was doing these jewelry like little lockets for a floor and I was doing oh, a bunch of commissions. So, yeah, I mean, it was just like, lockets. I like for a while I worked in like this jeweler's place, like, like in the jeweler's district at this like restoring place, um, restore, like restoring, you know, 18th century, like, like enamel wear. Like on 47th uh, street. Yeah. yeah but, but but yeah, it, I mean, it, in, in retrospect, it was kind of like a good kick in the ass because I think I would have been stuck in this pattern of just like doing shows of pretty, you know, like pretty decorative still lives that, mm-hmm. would, you know, like, like, like in a way it was whatever happened, like it kind of made me, I mean, like unfortunately or fortunately, maybe it happened right as I was like kind of starting to just like find like like a voice as an artist, mm-hmm. yeah. Like because like it took me like five or six years after grad school to just like figure out what I wanted to paint or how I you know that, mm. um, and so right as I was like thinking that I was making all this work that was like new and you know better and more exp- yeah I I don't know like whatever just different uh, that was when it all stopped selling. <laughs> well, that's years. true because when you were saying I, I was wondering if there was a correlation there because when you were saying. When you were younger, making still lifes and those selling out, there is like outside of the city and other markets. There's, it does seem like that's a model that people, a niche people can get into painting flowers and that stuff will sell like crazy in those it small did, galleries. You know, it, it, it did, it did. But uh, even like the galleries that sold them, 
I mean, closed in 2009, I think. Mm. Um, was, that in, was that in Boston? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, and, and every place I was working with in New York, like half of them closed down. Um, I, I, I mean, it was just like, like, I think it kind of changed the, the art world, um, like mm. the, that last recession. And I think it changed it in the artist's favor because like there's a bunch of people, like probably all of us were like, oh, like, well, I can't make it like the traditional way, like the way the way I used to. So let's see, let's see how I can make it. And like it kind of made me take a lot more control of just like my career. So mm-hmm. woke up this kind of entrepreneurial spirit then. Um, a, a little bit. The, um, I'm like still not really that great at making money, um, but um, but at least like I feel like that's like a problem. Like when I don't have enough money right now, I'm like, all right, this is a problem. Here's how to solve it. Like you know, the, right? You have uh, like a amazing. template that you can go back um, to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like um, like like every once in a while, I kind of like look through my finances, and if like if I'm like, all right, well, this this like month is like not yeah. If it ever gets below the amount of money that I need to like pay for childcare, then I'm like, all right, gotta like step oh, right. it up. <laughs> well, and it does seem like you, you of all people, have such an interesting, insightful take on the art world. I always like your your opinions on it, and then that led to sort of starting that that kind of paint anyway movement. Well, we we all did that. Yeah, yeah. talk yeah. about paint anyway, because I think. A, you know, there's the hashtag paint, paint anyway, but I'm not sure everybody is aware of what the uh, background is on all that. Well, uh, one one night... Um, one vodka. Uh, one night we all got drunk at the Anyway Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess everyone in this room except Kim. Sadly, um, no, I would have happily. There's, there's a guy there, I guess the normal bartender was out, and um, this is a Russian cafe in the village, and... The guy who was replacing him didn't know how to mix cocktails and was very apologetic about it. And instead, he was like, "He's like, I don't know how to mix a single cocktail, but I'm just gonna pour. I'm gonna pour you guys so much vodka um, on the house." <laughs> so we got really drunk and we were like, "Let's start an art movement. Let's call it. Yeah. Let's call it. Let's go learn the Anyway Cafe. Let's call it Paint Anyway." <laughs> What's the Easiest word we can read around it anyway. Which actually turned out to be a great title. It, it, anyway it, I still think it's a great title. And I think uh, we checked uh, we checked in the next good. morning. We're like we're like, did that happen? What do we think about the name? And we're like yeah, it's yeah. still a good name. It was it's still just, a good name the, still, the morning after. So I still think it's a good name, and and then yeah. I did start using it as a hashtag, uh, and and now there's like a shitload of people using it. You know, I think it kind of turned into hashtag more than a movement. Though. Yeah, it seems like you know a yeah, lot of people just pick totally that up because true. it's they and recognize it's, that it's a hashtag, and it's, it's a so certain many, kind of artwork. It there. is for a certain kind of artwork, but like I think it was meant to like like I think when we created that, it was meant to just just so like we could share the art that we're doing with each other mm-hmm. but I think too further than that I mean I know from that conversation Ton and I put together two really great shows and a possible other one and you did I some shows I put together shows. a whole bunch yeah it really it really kind of like there was a couple of years there where we were doing a lot of stuff with it you know um, yeah, yeah, I think, actually, yeah, me and Michelle put together one that was, like, directly leading out of that conversation, I guess, yeah. too. Um, the yeah. animal show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's that called? I think, I think Anna, Anna put one together, too. Uh, Anna did, yeah, that's yeah. right. I think it gave a lot of people more confidence. 
Uh, going into well, probably yeah. even even that palette show to a degree. Yeah, I mean that was all of us. Like, like I mean, there's a core group of artists for that palette show. The one right. I used to like get the space was like us. Like uh-huh. it was like the paint anyway people, and then like and then once all of you guys said yes and like made some work, then I like sold a bunch of other people on it. Then yeah, and then you you were saying that because of Michelle's show from the paint anyway thing, I had painted on that palette. And you said that that was sort of a... Oh, yes, that it was. the Imagine Beings show, or was that another show? Which show? Oh, I don't know. Michelle did one in, in like, a lobby of a W hotel or something, wasn't it? Oh, that? Yeah, something yeah, different. No, I think okay. that, that wasn't one that... Yeah, um... Well, that was her paint anyway show. That was hers, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, so, yeah, the palette show. So I did a palette, and then I saw yours somewhere, and I was like, two of these? Yeah. Like, like, like we could make like a thing out of this. And then I asked, I guess, like I asked you, and I had like, you know, like a few of the other, like paint anyway. So it all has roots in paint anyway. If in that one drunken night. <laughs> Which, by the way, I was telling Kim before you got here, that was one of the few times I've legit blacked out. Because <laughs> after, after that night, after the Anyway Cafe, we went to see War on Drugs in Brooklyn. And it was just more drinking and stuff. And I, I don't remember that entire I barely concert. got home after it. Like, just, just, my night <laughs> oh my ended God. at the Anyway Cafe. And I like still, still barely got home. I had, I had like five or six hours left after. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, honestly, like, like I also just, it's, it's like, I, I don't get drunk very frequently. And that was like one of the few times where like, like I did get drunk. It was a lot of fun. It was so I, fun. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I only I get drunk. Oh my like and God, I actually Todd. only get like I, I only get drunk with people I know really well and this is like a bunch of people <laughs> I knew really well. Mark, right? Mark, Mark. Oh God, Mark, Mark, Mark was conceived immediately, like basically, like right after. This is middle, <laughs> is this middle name anyway. Mark, 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 Mark takes it away. Mark, Mark is a direct result of too much vodka a few months later. At a paint anyway meeting. <laughs> well, tell me about um, from your perception. What is the What's your idea about uh, what you want to do with that move with this movement? I mean, what what is the, the a, like the mission I, I, statement I, I of that do, movement? Um, I want to change the art world. Um, I, <laughs> nice, it needs um, it. I, I I mean, so maybe the world needs changing, but I feel like I have no power to change the world, um, and and it's very kind of uh, presumptuous to think that maybe the, like I like I, we, whatever, like some, something could change our world, but that's a part of the world that I think is changeable by like our efforts. Like oh. that. Um, so um, as far as what the movement stands for, um, just people who take painting really seriously. Like, okay. Like, and so is that what you're looking for to, in the changing of the art world? I mean, what um, can I, you I'm like actually, name specific yeah, things I, I that actually, you want out of that? Like um, what do you um, want to change? Um, I think the art world, like mainstream art world as it stands right now is really kind of, it's conceptually heavy handed. It's very visually bland. It's, um, um, it's, it's just not very interesting. Like, like to me, um, it's like that, white noise. um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's white noise and it all kind of looks the same and, and I'm, I'm just really not like, I, I want to be, 
I want to feel things when I look at paintings. And e even if what I feel is like, oh my God, this is so technically beautiful. Or like, oh my God, this like, like really like hits me right here. It makes me want to cry. It makes me like, I, I know, it makes me want to laugh. It entertains me, right? The, uh -huh. um, and, and whenever I look at most of the things that are kind of in the Whitney right now, I just like feel nothing. Uh, or I feel maybe like mildly kind of intellectually curious in like a very cerebral way right but like like it doesn't make me feel anything um and um and I feel like there are all of these people that we know who are really good who are, who are just you know who are good and they're not ironic and they're serious painters and they they kind of make work from the same set of motivations that like you know I try to make work for and like, like there's so many good people out there and and I want those people to be the art world instead <laughs> of you know the um instead of what's out there right now yeah but, I, I love that so was it was it kind of born out of a frustration of where things are now I'm frustrated with where things are now I'm still frustrated with where things are are now um but but I'm also kind of inspired by like like I love the stuff like you're doing. I I love the stuff all of you get. Like, like, like we know we know so many good artists. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, yeah. like I, like I, I feel you know I just feel like, like with like the right kind of exposure. Um, like, like, is he, like, is these are the artists that should be kind of like, like, like this. Like, it's my art world, but I yeah. I feel like. Everyone yeah. would be better off if it was like kind of if that art world was like less of a bubble and just right. more, more out there. Yeah, and yeah. I think we're trying to change it one show at a time. I believe the first show we put together stumbled yeah. into. Yeah, stumbled into. The what was that show? What, what was that called? Salvaged is at Island Waste Gallery. Yeah. Okay. And we we totally stumbled stumbled into it and yeah. didn't know what we were doing. We stumbled into. <clears throat> more shows the drawing shows back to back uh, I that wasn't stumbling that was like me begging also you might have stumbled into those <laughs> was that also with Island or no no, no. Is it, it, I, I mean it was so anywhere in the, anywhere in the city that would take us uh, well. okay uh, I went really... to the one that was at like the bottom of Cooper Union. Yeah, yeah. how did that you know? Uh, did, did you know us by that time? Or, I like, don't know. A... I might have just started working with Egal at the time because uh, Carl was in that show, Carl, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I was there. I remember. <laughs> Carl did Carl curate it? Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, we 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 bullied oh. we bullied oh. Carl into the into, into curating that show with us. I think he like didn't talk to me for like a year after. That. <laughs> I think that's yeah. when, he went, when he started planning to do it. He's like, fuck. <laughs> you know, I asked him a few years later if he wants to curate a show. He's like, get away from me. <laughs> do, do you remember when I made all of you guys stay up to like four in the morning, three days in a row, like painting that gallery and stenciling like, yeah. like, like Baroque patterns on the wall? Sick. I came in sick and then we, we had our spat outside. Yeah, yeah, we got into screaming. Oh, you guys got in a fight? We, yeah. we, got, we got into like a screaming fight outside. Oh, the wow. gallery. Oh my wow. God. That's so opposite of who you are. I can't even imagine. Oh, we're so pissed off. What was the fight about this? I love this. Um, uh, I the, felt like uh, it, basically, basically because I felt like because I talked some of the show into being like I so I found the gallery. I found the press. Like I, I, I like I don't know. Like I really did like walk around the city with like our little like package like like. 
like wheedling, begging, like bullying, whatever. Like, on like, 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 yeah, literally See, knocking on doors. This is your superpower because you're really good at until I fa- until I found something, yeah. and then I kind of like yeah. once it went up and like it got like like a review or two, and then I was like, I'm done. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but so it's time to take the show down, and I just like decided that I'm not going to show up and pack the work because I felt like all my work was done. And um, Carl and Ton were there like alone packing the work, <laughs> and um, and. And then I showed up like towards the end, and you were so mad at me because I like didn't have enough it. And I thought that was like really not a legit. It, like it's kind of, in retrospect, it's like a legitimate complaint because I should have like just brought it through to the end because like it's a lot of work to pack. Um, but in my head, I was like, but I already did all this work, and like work you don't lot, and yeah, you don't I even know about it lot. because like like right. you weren't there. Yeah. Well, but that's sort of a beginner type thing because, man, defined roles and shared workload is huge. Well, yeah, in collaboration, you have to be very clear about that, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, we got better, like, you know, like as, like, the years went on, uh, like, we we, we got better. Yeah, because we realized, you know, we, we had our own strengths. Yeah, and like, and honestly, I would have been pretty useless packing work, but I probably should have showed up to give you guys moral support. <laughs> you can brought some beer, but yeah, it is. It, it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about about you. It. I was really struck when Dina, you were saying, you know, great painters and great artists, and promoting yeah. them, and we sort of filmed or like recorded. A few questions with the three of us. Why do we want to do this podcast? And my answer was just, we know so many incredibly interesting people and high-functioning people. And just having a conversation with them for two hours or whatever, it's already a win, no matter what happens. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> and it's like, that's all that I'm really in it for. And And I was kind of thinking about it while I was answering that question was like, if you have another profession with high-functioning people, I don't know, like maybe an actor, it's like Daniel Day-Lewis or something, who, a young actor, it's unapproachable to just talk to Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, or be friends with them. But in our small painting world, you have people every bit as talented in their field, but it's on such a small scale that they're all sort of your friends and you can just chat um, with it's like I, a gift I th- yeah no I think like our generation of like whatever like vaguely contemporary realist art like I like like it is such a good time to do what we're doing right now yeah. because like things are changeable galleries don't know what they're doing right now everyone is still like reeling from like the internet and the recession and the models uh-huh. changing like this is right. like our, this is like our time yeah, and people are true. better that's at true. it than ever you know I think that the bar is so high for not only just technical work, but it's pushed <laughs> to like that blend, you know, of technical, like conceptual realism in a way that like is like, and it doesn't have to be just atelier stuff. Like it, it's That's not right. as like clearly defined as I'm like, glad you know, we you don't, said that. we don't have to make 19th century portraits, but like, we also don't have to make art from like neon signs. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there's more, less cynical than, yeah, I mean, there, there's more. Yeah, probably. We, we are like this, like on the cusp, in the middle of this, like you know, the Generation X, and uh, because the way we're going at it, it, it needs a lot of hope and something. Idealism. Idealism. Mm-hmm. It needs a lot of idealism for this thing to work, to be 
of where we are at right now and still pushing it regardless <coughs> of failure or minimal success. You uh, know? But I think Dina's, I think you made a really great point about like, with the internet and all of that, we are in a different spot now. Like galleries are definitely less, having to become something else, and they're less relevant. And 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 artists are much more in control of their own career. And definitely, yeah. there's things that you used to need to rely on a gallery for, and we don't have to do that anymore. And that like that's so much power. Like like that's so much power that we didn't used to have. It and I feel like power. we can like. Like you know, we can use it for the good. Uh, like, yeah. You know, like like I mean, we can use it for our own good, but we can also use it for other people's good. <laughs> right. Uh, and we can get other people's work out there. We can put together shit. Like, like there's no reason not to do this, uh, yeah. and it's kind of more fun when like a lot of people are in it together. So that show that, that like at the at the bottom of Cooper Union. Um, the gallery found out that they were closing like right after they said yes to us, and so they were like do whatever you want. You want to like bang a bunch of holes in the gallery walls? Oh like, my the, God. The, you oh, know, like, awesome. like, like you want to like, you want to jackhammer this place? Like jackhammer this place. So me and Tan had this idea to turn it into, we called it the drawing room, to turn it into like a 19th century drawing room and put a bunch of like, like almost like a, like a, like a, I don't know, alchemist chamber. So I asked mm. everyone, like all the artists to bring in like their skeletons, their taxidermy, their, you know, like the, um, and, and everyone did. And there's must've been like 10 of us just staying up like all night for a few nights in a row. Um, yeah, we just, had that kid, Ian, was it Ian? Yeah, yeah. yeah for, he, for, did, uh, he was an uh, interior designer. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he, he, redu- he did the conceptual work of the room, how it looked like digitally. We just we we just turned it into that, like we just turned it into that, and we arranged all of these like curiosity cabinets and the. Um, there's a girl that worked in the galleries that like did that yeah. charcoal really cool like charcoal yeah. drawing on one of the like like call you know like like, like kind of like, of like a graffiti thing yeah. The, but but there was yeah it, um I also like really I mean I think you were sick and I actually kind of made myself sick after a few <laughs> days of that like 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 one of the first just pounding headaches of like debilitating pounding headaches of my life was after like three days of that but I like like there's also like like I know how frequently do you get that like a bunch of people staying up together to just make yeah. something happen the, yeah I, and in a super like relevant space like at Cooper Union in New York City just a bunch of people like it's the power of what people can do you know it's amazing because it's like you you're we're not like i don't know no one's damien hurst here no one wields that sort of power it's just interesting that you can there's room almost like your whole philosophy on life you can meet people you can talk you can get spaces you can do stuff you know um, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, incredible i think I think, yeah, I think it's kind of rarer today to find that kind of group of people that's willing to do that. I think in the past there have been uh, groups of people like that in Soho for for one, but, but it's before not that, Soho became what it is it, now. But it's not that rare. Like, like we, we did it, and there's, the, you know, like, and I think right now there's like, there's going to be a bunch of 25-year-olds who are going to do, you know, the... I hope um, so, yeah. It's actually uh, happening more often at the academy yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. These uh, groups... Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, we're, we're, not, we're not the only ones who are, who are doing, you know, it's just, like, that was um, the only one that I ever participated in, and, right. I, um, but, but, yeah, I feel like there's actually more of that stuff, and people kind of, like, are more connected, and, like, there, and there's more opportunities to do cool shit, eh? 
Well, that's really good to hear. I mean, because I know that, well, New York is so unaffordable compared to what it was in earlier days, and um, finding those spaces, finding those alternative spaces is something you really have to have an eye for that. And you're great at that. I mean, that's like another one of your superpowers is... Um, I'm also, um, you know what my real superpower is? Uh, um, it's failure. I'm, like, really good at failing this. <laughs> like, uh, like, I'm better at failing. Like, like, I guarantee that if you just take a room full of people, I'm better at failing than almost any of them. And I've failed more frequently and more intensely. And like, <laughs> what, do you mean, um, what do you mean good at it in the way that it doesn't affect you? Like, you just keep pushing? I've just had more practice. Um, sometimes I keep pushing and sometimes I give up on that thing and go do something else but like like I feel like I, I've just failed at things so often like through, mm. through really my whole life I mean I mean like, I, uh, like like I failed in classes I failed in jobs I've you know the, but if you listen to interviews of you know really successful people that is actually the one commonality that they have like I barely, fast. like I barely even get phased when I fail. And I, like when I fail at oh, things, now. I'm like, really yeah, reject it. Yeah, you, 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 you think you're the first person to reject me this week? The, there was huh. that study that talked about how successful people tell themselves little lies every day, like have a skewed, uh, almost like you were saying, you're un, unimaginative, and they have a skewed view on what could or couldn't happen to them like they don't look at life realistically they 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 see it through oh i did better than they did you know and things are just constantly like it's like a big trait for success yeah i'm I'm not sure i'm a very successful person by the way but 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 i but i am like i'm a good failure and i think failure failure um as a failure but 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 i think that's like honestly i think that's that's like like it's a skill, um, like uh-huh. like fail at failing at things and like not letting it phase you too much. And like it used to phase me, and then it just like stopped phasing me because I did it. So like like anything else, you practice a lot, and you fail a lot. Like if I if I practiced like the high jump every day, I'd probably get better at the high jump. I think in a way I just failed a lot, and I got better at failing. And and right now I think that's like one of the most useful things, like like kind of skills that I've acquired. That makes sense. I think that speaks to your, I want to say doggedness, but maybe that doesn't sound so nice, but... No, no I mean, that's, that's a part of it. Yeah, I, I think it speaks to that, because you're not, you know, you, you're not a fr- that fear tenacity. of failure. Tenacity. Thank you, doggedness. Tenacity. Resilience. It doesn't stop you from... Like, like that fear of failure doesn't stop I mean, you from doing things. Sometimes it stops me from like repeating. Like, like if I consistently fail at a thing, I'll probably stop trying to do that. Thing. Well, eventually, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's I'll, definitely I'll not to, working. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop trying to do that thing. But then it's like, well, okay, well, like this. All it means is like this thing failed. Let me go through, try to try some other thing. Yeah, remember um, we put together a list of things beginning of 2017. Yeah, we actually did all of them. There was like two of them. <laughs> 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 we a list of two things. Well, maybe maybe like things. three. <laughs> but it was a list. <laughs> there were pretty, you know, big projects. Like this is one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I'm actually, do this. Actually, this podcast started. was on was on the list. Yeah. That's so interesting because, like, 
And it I just kind of happened also that at Tribeca Ball, was it like a year ago, and I came up to you and said, Casey Zavaglia keeps telling me, you got to do a podcast, and you were like, you got to talk to Marshall and Ton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And the thing is, I've never done anything like this before. But is that going to uh, stop me? No. Uh, no, know, because there's lots of other, yeah. Like YouTube tutorials, like, have I done that before ever? No, but, you know, it's kind of... There's a, there's a year, yeah. a few years ago, where I decided I made a list of all the grants I was going to apply for, and I applied to all of them. Just spent like a month just writing grant applications and putting together all so these. So time consuming. It was so time consuming. Yeah. so hard. You know how many of them I got? None. Not a single <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> but you got really good at grant writing. No, <laughs> I didn't. Um, <laughs> I went, like, uh, no, I got really good at getting rejected from grants. <laughs> Like, 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 what I learned was like, I'm not a good grant writer. I can't, I can't, like, like, I'm, I'm not good at doing this. I, I did it. I tried, and what I got good at was like taking rejection well. <laughs> I was mm. in one instructor's class at the league for like a week, so I wouldn't really call him one of my instructors. But he said a really interesting thing <laughs> was that if you're not getting a, a, what would you call it, an unacceptance letter, like a uh, rejection letter. Rejection letter. If you're not getting a rejection letter at least once a week, you're not trying hard enough. Ah, oh, I just put that up on my studio wall. And I, I never apply for anything, but that still was like, huh, that's well, I never apply for anything anymore, I, like, because I realized I wasn't good at it, but now I find other ways of getting rejected. You, know, like, now now I, you now, find other ways to get rejected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How can I get rejected this week? Um, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of ways to get rejected. Um, and, and not all of them involve, like, writing writing elaborate grant applications. There's way easier ways to get rejected. <laughs> Aren't interns supposed to do that? Don't you, like, hire an intern to do your applications? Um, I, I would so happily hire someone to do my applications. Or, or hire, I thought that's what or everyone hire did. an art writer to do your applications for you. That's right. I did, didn't I... We did yeah, talk about right. that. We haven't gotten farther. But no, no. But um, it's a conversation. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and and a professional, you know, potential career career path. Yes, and I can find out if I fail at that too. <laughs> now that I have your encouragement of, of going for failure. <laughs> Uh, seriously, yeah, no, no, no. Failure, failure is really, like, and I feel like that's actually something that might like, from just sometimes talking to like you know like kids who are in school right now. I feel like they don't fail nearly as much as like, like I used to fail. Um, Do you think but, that's like a generational thing though? Like because we, were, I think we talked about helicopter parenting. Like, isn't that something that's just gonna? That's just happening because, like, parents are so parent... I mean, when yeah, I was a kid, I, mean, I could run off and do I mean, anything I wanted, you know? Uh, yeah, whereas now I wish I could keep my kid in a leash. And <laughs> yeah, I think, the lot, I think fence. parents do do that. So he, parents, doesn't, so he doesn't bite anyone. Parents so, now to protect others to... to protect other people from my kid. So you don't learn, like, okay, if I do this thing and I'm climbing around construction sites, uh, but, I might uh, but, but cut my leg ju- open. But it's okay. also just, like, education. Like, I feel like there's all these, like, safe spaces and you know microaggressions and there's all you know like like, yeah. like there's just much like like you were supposed to get offended during debates in college like like people are supposed to say offensive things and you're supposed to get offended and defend yourself and like maybe offend someone else and it's okay yeah do yeah. you think with with where we're headed I was just having a conversation 
last night actually about all these movements and empathy being such a great thing and like how we didn't concern ourselves like certainly pre-enlightenment pre-printing press even pre-industrial revolution with those concepts or and now we're thinking about um on a large scale, how can we treat people better? Like, that's a big conversation right now. I mean, I mean it's a good conversation. I think we should treat people better. Yeah. But I think it's also kind of impossible to learn to be, like, I know, a reasonably functional person without coming in contact with people who are not that nice to you and, and who don't yeah. share your fucking opinions. And, like, you know, like, you should argue, you know, you should, you should like, be able to, like, stand up for yourself. <laughs> right. We shouldn't um, live in such a sanitized society that um, I mean, I, I, like, like, you like, have to I, watch I, I, everything I like, that you say. I feel like political correctness to the degree it's been taken right now is, like, a problem. And I think it's going to result <clears> in a bunch of, like, kind of wimpy, like, it's going to result in, like, a bunch of wimpy people. <laughs> or just finding... <laughs> Nef- other sort of nefarious ways to manipulate people. You know what I'm saying? Like um, that. I don't think you're gonna get rid of that side of human nature. Um. N- no, you're you're not. It's it just I, I I don't know. I remember like you know. So I was like a weird kid, and like I was a kid that used to get bullied, and like you know, bullying sucks. But I remember, yeah. like, my parents being like, you know, if she punches you, like, punch back. <coughs> like, you should, like, hit her in the face. Like, like, like hit her harder, you know? Huh. But, um, and, you know, I was, like, kind of too wimpy to follow up on that most of the time. Uh, but, but I think it's, it's, it's okay. Like, if someone's bullying you, um, it's, it's okay. Like, sometimes it's okay to just hit them back. Fight back. Yeah, um, well, yeah, a punch like that <laughs> certainly isn't the most violent thing you could do to someone. You know, like a, just a childhood burst of aggression and anger to kids isn't really leading to trauma. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if someone punches someone on the playground. Yeah. It's not a trauma-inducing no, situation. No, it's not. Um, but I was, like, one of the kids that used to get, like, stuffed into lockers. Um, like, <laughs> that, and, and, you know, that's also not trauma-inducing. But, like, when I think about it, like, I, I really wish that I, like... You know, I wish the girl that did that. I hope she dies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe uh, she is dead. Well, um, my I she's have not this... because she contacted me on Facebook wanting to be oh, friends. Like, oh, really? So long ago. She, she didn't die, but she did seem to... to have become like an overweight tattooed hooker. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so maybe I should let go of that grudge because her life is really her own her own punishment. <laughs> Did she apologize? I don't think she remembers it. I don't think the bullies like remember their like. I think the bullied remember being bullied, but I don't think the bullies like. I think to, to her, wow. I was just like a part, you know, of like pleasant childhood memories. Of, See, you know, that's showing so someone strange a walker. to me because like, any and I used kind to play. of transgression yeah. so that I had in my life when I was younger, I, I immediately felt such guilt about it. To, the, to this day, I, I still enormously I still feel bad about some of that stuff. Me too. I'm like, oh no, how did. How did I... I have to pay back karma in a big way to make up for some stupid shit I did when I was a kid that didn't even, you know, I... It wasn't so awful, I mean, but (coughs) when I look back at it, like, oh, I I could have been a better person, and Uh, I wasn't, so now I have to make up for it. See, 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 where's what I wish is that I had broken that girl's nose, the one that walked me in the locker. (laughs) I regret that. I regret I did. I was was too much of a wimp to go up to her the next day and break her nose. (laughs) 
Maybe it would have. Maybe it would have set her on a better path, Adina. Maybe. Uh, I mean, on, on, honestly, she, she. I mean, I think she. She wasn't like, she, having. A, she was having a hard time. But she of, could of get her, her, like, like of her own. Yeah, I'm sure she was acting out. There are now reasons. one of my one of my good friends was telling me, they're older. They have college age daughter, and parents now fly to the their kids' colleges for rush weeks. To, to sort of usher their kids through the trauma of pledging for a sorority and stuff. So it's just full of parents, like, even at that well, age. Making sure their kid setting. doesn't drink themselves to, you know, on all the. To a uh, degree, just making sure their kids don't get their feelings hurt, you know? If they don't get picked for this one, they can, like, mom and dad are there. Sounds but, horrible. But there's, a, but there's also people who die from, like, frat hazing, so that. Um, the, um, so, so, so on. Well, they on, just on, got kicked off the evolutionary. <laughs> 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 Um, but, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, no, no. I mean, I I I do think that like like. Do you remember when we were in grad school and like, like like it was like kind of okay for professors to critique you so like much until in front until you cried. Yeah. I cried. Oh. Like 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 and Isn't I wasn't and I wasn't that much of a wimp. Like like a lot of people cried. At the, mm-hmm. Oh, um, but I feel like right shed now shed plenty can, of tears. But but like right like the last uh, crit that I sat in on at the academy you can't do that anymore. Like, oh really? Like, I think you get, uh, no like like every everyone is like a, like very polite and very yeah. The, Baby gloves. It's interesting. That's unfortunate because it's, I think that I think that artists need to. I mean I as a teacher I'm and I haven't recently taught, but as a teacher, when I, when, I, when I go to people's studios, when I look at people's work in their studios and I'm talking to them about their work, I mean, I try to gently guide someone into thinking a, a little bit deeper about... Not all artists could invite me to their studios to have me say this, but you know, some, if an artist is talking to me about their work and they want any kind of advice, I kind of try to couch it in a way that... I'm helping them think about it in a deeper way. But I do think that there is room still for somebody to say, hey, look, that's just not working. And then uh, the artist has something to work against. Then you can decide, do I want to do that more? Because I disagree with what that person has just said, so how can I make that happen even better? Or am I going to abandon it? Otherwise... You're in some sort of no man's land in the middle, and, and like you don't all, know what to do. Not all student work is created equal, and and I think like you can't really get better until you know what you're doing. Like like until you know what you're doing wrong, and if you mm-hmm. can't say this is wrong, then like how how is anyone supposed to get better? Right. So, so for the record, I think there's a lot of like really amazing things about millennials. Um, like you know we kind of bitch about them being kind of soft and wimpy, but like on the other hand, they do you know they tend to share information much more openly they're you know they like they care about the environment <laughs> they care about the environment i overall think that like hurting people's feelings is like not a good thing <laughs> you know i yeah. think we should spare people's feelings but but yeah yes yeah, yeah. so it's like there's all sorts of things about that generation i really admire but um but but I feel like they're not learning to fail nearly as well as I did, and and and, and I think eventually that's going to make their life harder. I, I think like I, I think being an expert at failing at things is, um, you know, like 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 overall it leads to like my having an easier time in life. 
That sounds yeah. perfect. Hey, Dina, I just wanted to ask before we sign off, do you have anything coming up in the next year that we should keep an eye out? You have a show in um, London? I have a show in, like, God, in like a week. Okay. I have a solo show of all the work I've made over the last year and a half. Are those more uh, landscapes or? They're, they're, it's a continuation of that Cycling Guide to Well Put series. Um, the, um, that you, you know, did it island wise in 2015. Yeah, except these are better because um, actually I was kind of forced to take a you know year long break from painting after that show when my son was born. And then when I started painting again, like, like you know, instead of painting, I, well, I drew a lot, but I also read a lot. And uh, read a lot about materials and read a lot about landscape and so when I got back to it I was like oh I'm actually like a better painter now mm. oh yeah, that's, that's great that's ha- a happy uh, outcome of all of that then um, well by now I don't know if like I sent off the work now I don't know if any of it's any good but I, I, uh, but, but it's better than the first part <laughs> And so that's happening, and then you're, I think Tan was saying that you're working on, trying to discover a new body of work for yourself, you're searching out I, new subjects, new concepts. Um, I, I, I'm honestly, as I finished the things that I've been working, as I, I was working on this part of the series for a year and a half, but then, you know, I spent like a year and a half, before, a few years before that, working on the first part, and um Honestly, I'm a little bit lost. I, I'm looking at a lot of stuff. I don't really know what I'm doing. I okay. paint a lot of birds because that's something I do when I don't know what I'm doing. Right, and you have I'm, that whole series of, bir- it's bird by bird, right? It's bird by bird, and um, a, a lot of it is just, you know, if you, I, I, I feel like it's, it's a good title for something where you structurally don't know what you're doing, but you can just take it like one bird at a time. The, yeah, you, that makes sense. Kind of discover like a tiny bit of the world through that, but it's not like a very coherent series it's just like a way for me not to get entirely ungrounded the, okay so I'm like a character in a Murakami book I just you know like paint birds and um <laughs> cook things in a crock pot and you know wait for like you know like like w- wait for for myself to have an idea <laughs> it'll come to the surface I have no doubt <laughs> And then you have a piece coming up in this uh, show that I'm co-curating with Melanie Vogt. Uh, which is it's, going to be amazing. It's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. It's called Natural Proclivities, and it's at the Shirley Fitterman Art Center, and I so appreciate that you are going to be part of that because it totally makes sense that your work would be part of and that I show. And I totally appreciate how patient you and Melanie have been with my failure to send images on time. And I think everybody's on their own trajectory for that, so... <laughs> I think we'll straighten that out with yeah. you very soon. Um, I do overall tend to deliver things in a timely, you know, like like it's last minute, but like it's not, you know, it's it's never after the deadline. It's always like, at, you know. The... I think we're at the, the right place. Don't worry about that at all. So you've yeah. got the work. That's what matters. I've got and the we work. just have to figure out. And so thank you for including me. Um, yeah, I'm in a few group shows. It's very this, much our pleasure. This, like, do you have other group shows coming up? I have one. Um, I, have, I have one coming up at Arcadia of all all places. Uh, oh, what's the uh, what's in that? LA. I I'm trying to remember if it's a land. I, I promised them a bunch of those little copper disc landscapes. Um, okay. And now I'm trying to remember what the show is actually about. I'm hoping it's landscapes. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I'm I'm in one in that it just opened in China that an academy graduate put together. Oh, uh, who's that? Janan Wu. He he makes a subway sculpture. Like oh yeah, they're, they're he makes really this amazing cool. relief uh, 
sculptures. Uh, yeah, and then I'm doing the Art on Paper Fair with uh, Garvey Simon Gallery, and they actually seem, so far working with them has been an enormous pleasure, which for galleries is rare. Um, I'm excited to see uh, your pieces there. You've, I mean, but you've seen the same, like, the same... Yeah, but when you, I've seen them in your studio, but when you take work out of the studio and put it in a gallery or fair situation, you're you're taking it out of context of the space that it was in, and you look at it differently, I think. And it's never really as impressive when it's like, like, like. In your in an artist, especially the way I prevented, well, like presented, which is like tacked to the wall with you know different multicolored thumbtacks. So. I also like that that way though too. I, I like both. I guess I like <laughs> I like seeing your process and I like seeing the way you're thinking about it. And I think it sh- you see that in your studio space too. But but definitely when you take them out of that context and put them on a wall in a very formal way, it it changes how the viewer. Um, sees the work both individually and as a group. Um, I hope. I hope. Yeah. I, I. I hope they'll be presentable. Well, I can only encourage you to keep failing forward like you do because um, uh, I think your failures. Uh, yep. Your <laughs> fail- <laughs> I think failing forward should be the name of my next show. Yeah. <laughs> maybe failing forward, the Dina Brodsky retrospective when I'm in my next. Yes. <laughs> well, your failures are a huge success. In my in my world, anyway. So, um, thank you so thank much you for Dina. sharing your time Thanks with us. Thanks for coming. Uh, thank you guys for having me, and hopefully, I won't fail at being a good person because that's <laughs> like important. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you guys. This, this, was, this was a lot of fun. Yay! Yeah, We had a great time talking to Dina Brodsky. You can find out more about Dina on her website, Dina Brodsky. Dot com and visit her Instagram at Dina Brodsky. Also, look out for our show notes on our website, artgrindpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram at artgrindpodcast. Thank you for listening to the Art Grind Podcast. Stay on the grind while we blow your mind.